Speaking Human. Today on Speaking Human, we reanimate a selection of brands, startups, platforms, and apps that have gone belly up over the last 10 years. Speaking Human. Welcome to Speaking Human, where we simplify the world of marketing for humans. I'm Shad Conley, and with me is my co-host, Patrick Jebber. You know, Patrick, sometimes I look back on all the episodes of Speaking Human we've recorded over the past 10 years, almost 160 episodes, and all I see is a graveyard. A graveyard. It's true. There's been a lot of death. Over the last a lot of graves, years. Quibi, yeah. Aunt Jemima, Toys R Us, Periscope, Vine, Tavio, your beloved Tavio, <laughs> all these things, dead. These are all things we spent episodes or a significant portion of episodes talking about over the history of this podcast, and mm-hmm. now they're gone. We've lost them. They're probably not coming back. I don't know. Do you miss these things? Are you sad about these things? Are they gone though, Shad? The memory of them lives on in our podcast episodes. The memory of them. This is true. This is true. (laughs) We'll always have the memories. We'll always have the episodes. Is anything really ever gone if the memory of it is there living? In the age of the internet, does anything ever really die? No. No, it does not. (laughs) Nothing dies on the internet. Yeah, no, you know, there's a few things that we've covered over the years and I'm like, you know, that was pretty cool and now it's gone. But I feel like that's just the cyclical nature of life, right? Like that's what we deal with all the time. Every decade or so something leaves and you're like, oh, that sucks. And you don't really notice it till you look back and you kind of have these little memory powwows or whatever you want to call it in memoriam. You romanticize it sometimes when you're doing that, right? Like, oh, all the best things, but then you forget about all the horrible things that went along with it, right? Yeah, I think that's a good point, especially when we're talking about brands. There's kind of a nostalgia factor a lot of times. You know, Mm -hmm. I think if we're talking about like something like Toys R Us, um, you're like, oh man, I miss that. But it probably would have stuck around if there was a reason for it to stick around, right? Some of these things became outdated for a reason, you know, the way the world changes. You look at something like Toys R Us where there were these giant retail spaces, but then internet came along and Amazon and, you know, you could get a price a lot cheaper by just sitting at home and pressing a button. You didn't have to go into this giant store. And you know, Borders, at their time, they were amazing. They were kind of this giant warehouse, but then we we got these giant warehouses that were the internet. Yeah. Didn't necessarily need these places anymore. Yeah, it's tough when you look back at those things and you go, I really liked certain aspects, right? Yeah. Along that same note, you know, Vine's a big one I've talked about several times that I really liked when it was around. I liked the creativity of that platform. I thought it was cool. I thought it was a lot of fun. I look at that now and I'm like, man, was this the father of TikTok? A lot of aspects of that are so close to TikTok. Could that have become this other thing potentially. Yeah. TikTok, even Snapchat. I mean, even Instagram nowadays, they're all sort of mimicking each other in some way or like trying to steal little bits of each other to stay relevant or to stay the hip new thing. Yeah. When I look back at Vine, it was one of the first that was about creation. 
and yeah. kind of, you know, creating your own thing. Yeah. Vine was cool. I mean, we covered that, you know, some of the really fun, creative things, even on speaking human, I think we covered some of the fun things that brands were doing. That was one of the first times that Oreo really had a lot of fun. We covered stuff from like Lowe's. Lowe's yeah. was doing some interesting things on Vine. And that's kind of the beauty of the things that end up dying. They do pave the way, whether it's apps or tech or products or services or whatever. Right. Yeah. A lot of good ideas are built off the, the bones of mm. other dead ideas. <laughs> I like that. The bones. <laughs> that should be an app. The bones. Maybe it's just where you can find old ideas and like Ooh. harvest their bones like take pieces of them to use for other ideas. That's it. Yeah. We're ending the episode right now. That was the <laughs> greatest round. idea. Hey, you got me there. I was built off the bones that you gave me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, this whole idea, looking back on the graveyard of speaking human, the speaking human graveyard got us thinking, you know, we have 10 years of shows. What are some things in that time that have died? We don't want to let go. They're like going to the grave and we're like pulling them back. We're mm. trying to keep them. So we're saying for one day, we get to do that. We're allowed to resurrect a couple of things. Platforms, apps, brands that have died over the past 10 years. We each get to bring two of them back for this episode, at least. That's the game today. We're calling it Brand Resurrections. We each get two Brand Resurrections. We're going to share those today. To preface, we pick things that were roughly within the 10 year time span, right? I went with kind of the 2010s as things that like died within that time, even though they could have been dying before that. Yeah, they could have been in hospice and yeah. uh, brand hospice. They could have been sick. They yeah. had a cough. Yeah. And then suddenly they were like, oh, you got two months to live. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. what? what? Let's just dive right into it. What's your first brand that you would resuscitate? I'm going to start big. And this one, uh, again, this goes back to the romanticism or nostalgia factor. So I'm going to go with my first pick, Blockbuster Video. Now, at one point, Blockbuster operated more than 9,000 stores across the nation. That's, that's so many stores, dude. It's a lot of stores. As you remember, they were everywhere. You know, this is where you went for your videos. But it's been a slow death for Blockbuster throughout the 2010s. 2010 filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Dish Network buys Blockbuster in 2011. 2014, Dish announced it would be closing the remaining 300 retail locations and the mail DVD operations. As of 2019, a single Blockbuster location remains in Bend, Oregon, and that's privately owned. So that really has nothing to do with the original Blockbuster brand. I look back on this, I'm like, Blockbuster, man, how did you miss the boat? Blockbuster should have been, they should have been Netflix, right? They should have been thinking yeah. ahead all along. Yeah. In fact, in 2000, Blockbuster turned down a $50 million deal to buy Netflix. At the time, a struggling, you know, startup. They laughed. Yeah. I think the board members laughed. They said it's a stupid idea, right? Yeah, this is dumb. This yeah. is going to be nothing. So, missed the boat there. But it seems like one of these behemoths that went down Blockbuster's time has passed. But I don't know. I think there's still a place for Blockbuster. I think we talked at one point, you know, could there be even in the metaverse, 
walk into like a video store, someone helps you to pick out a movie, you're having a movie night, you need, you need help picking out something. Staff members like, what are you looking to watch tonight? Let me give you some suggestions, something like that. Yeah. I think Blockbuster could exist in some way. It's just such a unknown name. We're having this kind of 90s nostalgia buzz going through the world right now. Is there not a place for Blockbuster video? Here's what I think would be really crucial to that. You staff it with people who know everything about movies. Yeah, like all the which good there are tons stuff. of on the internet, right? Yeah, there's tons of people. And and have a good personality where like it's like walking into Cheers. They may not know your name, even though they do, because you're in the metaverse. It shows <laughs> up right over your head. But they're able to say, oh, you know, you like such and such and such. And it's got that human touch of curation. And I know you can get this from the algorithms of AI today, the stuff that Netflix promote. Oh, you might like this movie because you watched all these other ones. But the blockbuster could have that unique human touch where you're like having a conversation with someone and hopefully it's someone and not just some computer. Yeah, exactly. Right. And maybe that's the old fuddy duddy old man in me. I don't know. But I think that would be what would set it apart and kind of fun and unique about it. What do you think? Yeah. No, I really like that idea. It becomes more than just a rental service. You know, it becomes like an area of connection mm-hmm. in that yeah. way too. Because that's what, when you walked in the Blockbuster, there's always that person. Now, most of the time it was not a person that had a lot of movie knowledge. You know, it was, yeah, like, it was like a like young a kid or something. Yeah. yeah. But this would be the evolution of that, I think, having a, a knowledgeable person. Yeah. No, I think that would be cool. I, li- I really like that idea. Yeah. So bringing Blockbuster back, I like it. I like it. Rise again, Blockbuster. All those big chains, I think, at one point, they were the corporate overlord. They're not the mom and pop. And now that those things are gone because the internet swallowed them whole. It's one of these things where at the time, Blockbuster could have been like a Walmart. You know, it's kind of Mm -hmm. like the evil empire of video stores. But now that it's gone, you kind of miss it, right? And you kind of miss the experience a little bit. Speaking of which... I know it's slightly older than 10 years by about a year or so, 11 months, but I'm going to include it. And that's Borders, man. Borders. Okay. Yeah. So Borders started in 71 by two brothers. It was headquartered in Ann Arbor, Michigan. At its height, it had over 500 stores and it ceased business operations in September of 2011. So I have great memories of this place. I liked the simple fact that it got people to congregate. I would resurrect this one. And here's what I was saying. Maybe a smaller form factor. What if, Shad, Borders partnered with Starbucks? Mm. It could rejuvenate even the Starbucks cafe a little bit if you had like some element where you're sitting in the coffee shop and you're browsing books. Maybe they have digital books there or maybe it's just books on the shelf, you know, like a small selection of magazines or books and whatever. The barista brings it out to you with your coffee. The cafe itself doesn't have to be huge, you know. That's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking our like local Barnes and Noble has like a Starbucks in there. I know like food halls are becoming popular. Mm. Maybe that would be a way like you have a food hall and you have kind of like a Borders-esque thing in the middle or something like that. Describe a food hall for our listeners. What is a food hall? Oh, a food hall is like where you have a bunch of different small restaurants or vendors all set up in one building. Kind of like food courts and malls used to be kind of. Yeah, essentially. 
So something cool. like that. Yeah. Uh, when you combine where people congregate and they kind of like to, as people do, coexist with each other, food brings people together, coffee brings people together, books and, or whatever it might be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Music or how, you know, the different, for me personally, Borders, Barnes and Noble, Media Play, any of these big stores that sold like multimedia things, mm-hmm. like me and my friends would go and hang out there for hours, partially yeah. because we had nothing to do, yeah. but partially because you could, you know, you could sit there and read a magazine. You yeah. could, you know, some of them you could play video games, you could listen to music and like experience. If there was a way to recreate that kind of on scale, I think people want that. You know, I think people would enjoy that. And you give people a chance to just kind of experience that stuff. Yeah. It's that unified experience that we sort of crave, I think, even though we're still on the tail end of a pandemic where some people are still, you know, afraid to like be in big communal spaces. But I think generally speaking, we all want to be together, right? We want to be connected and having those shared experiences. Yeah. So what's your uh, next? I went small. This one, I actually don't think I even heard of until I was actually doing this research or if I did... I'd probably have forgotten about it. You might know of it, though. This seems more like up your alley. So this is called Project Aura. Project Aura. I don't know. Have you ever heard of this? I do remember this. So I'll take you back to the beginning a little bit. September 2013, Design Academy Endhoven graduate student uploads a video on YouTube called Phone Blocks. The video revolves around the idea of replacing old and broken phone parts with just different pieces. That's kind of his concept. Okay. This idea evolves into Project Ara, which starts with a team at Motorola Mobility LLC, which is a subsidy of Google. So they kind of focused on this idea of creating smartphones that are in blocks, kind of like a a Lego concept, right? Uh. You have like here's your battery, here's your camera, right? Here's your memory. So anyway, you want to kind of piece together your phone, you can do it. Kind of starts with this skeleton and then you can add these different blocks. That was their idea here. I think it's really interesting idea, good concept, you know, execution, harder to pull off. They went through several prototypes. 2016, suddenly project canceled. No real reason given, maybe business reasons. Some speculate too early for the introduction of modular phones to the mass market. Some say that maybe there just wasn't a demand for a product like this, you know, with all the smartphones as they are in the market. I think there's something here though. I think this is a pretty interesting idea mm-hmm. that I would like to see pushed a little further. I like this concept once I learned about it. I look at our smartphones as they are today and I feel like hit this kind of wall where we're kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, We had kind of a lot of innovation come along and now it's like petered off a little bit. So I see something like this, which I think is taking it in a different direction than what we do now. So this is something I would like to see brought back from the dead and somebody like take this idea and kind of run with it. What do you think of this idea? Uh, I think it's a horrible name, Uh, but (laughs) that's sometimes you know how it is, man. Sometimes the name name can be a big deal, right? Yeah, it can it can kill a product like that, man. It can mm-hmm. just snap. What about Quibi, though? Pretty successful. Yeah, died almost before it started. <laughs> <laughs> Naming aside, 
it sounded pretty cool, even though it seemed bulkier. And maybe this is one of the reasons why it failed was because even the large phones, it's one slender thing that you put in your pocket, you know, whatever. And the modular design, if they could figure out a way to do all of that and keep it kind of reduced in weight and size and scale, I think I think it'd be a great thing. Maybe, like you said, I don't know what kind of demand there is for that because of the way the phones are made now. They have stripped away a little bit of the customization of these, right? There's not a lot you can do to the phone besides maybe replace a battery or, or a screen if it cracks or something like that. And that's where the modular would be kind of nice. If you could literally just plug and play the screen alone, the screen would be everything. I think then you'd have a lot of buy-in, right? Because everybody's breaking their screen. Yeah. Well, and you point to a good thing, man, there is really no customization with phones. It would be nice to have that option, Yeah. you know, and I don't see why, you know, if you work on this long enough, it might take some time. You couldn't get things down to the right size or weight or anything like that. Yeah. I don't know if it'll ever have the critical mass that the big ones have, but maybe, you know, if they do it right. You never know if you don't pursue, we can't just be stuck with what we have right now. Yeah. You got to innovate. You got to innovate. Need somebody from the outside to kind of like say, okay, what else can we do? Yeah. You either innovate or you diovate. That's right. Don't (laughs) diovate. I came up with that just now. So you know that. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. it It's so good. It doesn't seem like it because it's so good. (laughs) So, so my other brand, I really went super simple, super obvious, There's not a lot to this other than I have love for this brand, even though I realize that it's probably not necessary. Toys R Us. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, I know we covered it. In fact, it was the runner up in our jingle bracket for the best jingle. I think it lost to State Farm that was listener voted on. Yeah. But you know, the Toys R Us jingle, a classic. One of the things about the brand that's memorable over the years. I mean, I want to be a Toys R Us kid. Who doesn't? So here's the thing. Even as an adult, I thought it was fun to look around Toys R Us and just see the new and sometimes weird toys that were trending. Can you do this online? Yes. But it's not the same thing. Holding that tangible item in your hands before purchasing or even if you're just looking to buy or even just browsing, it can't be replicated online. At least not yet. It can't be replicated. But I liked that experience. You know, my kids were little at the time. So I'd go in there and I'd see, are there new toys or something that they would like? They had a whole section where you could play the Nintendo or PlayStation or Xbox game right there. There's something to that experience that you just can't replicate. And there's nothing like that. Yeah. Let me even ask you this. Is there even a toy chain, like a national toy chain left nationwide that is like well known anymore? We don't. I don't think so. Yeah. Like the setup of these stores may not have been the best in terms of like overhead or how big they were or anything like that, but they seem like essential stores. So maybe Toys R Us can be reborn in a new iteration. A name is so well known that if they could just, you know, change the business model, why can't the brand still exist? We're talking about resurrecting. I know some listeners probably point out that Toys R Us kind of reopened. I knew that there was one store that was reopening. And they Um, were like in other stores too. They they announced that a while back, sections in Macy's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not quite the same. We're talking about the original concept. You know, how do you bring that back to some degree? 
not just, well, we're going to incorporate it inside of another thing. Like, you know, a borders inside of a Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) That's a different, that's a different concept, different concept, different concept. Come on, come on, come on. (laughs) So those are good brands to really resurrect. You know, we started off talking about nostalgia and romanticizing, you know, I know there's a lot of reasons why those brands faltered, but there is something about just being in a store. And I keep going back this word experience, whether it's a product, whether it's music, whether it's books, the standalone stores, the brick and mortar stores, I think there's something there to bringing some of those experiences back, you know? Yeah, some of those that were unique that are just kind of gone that are missed. So that I, very good list today. You know, the four that we came up with to resurrect, I think they have a lot of love from us. I don't know. As listeners, I don't know what you guys would think would be brands that you would want to resurrect. You know, you can always let us know that. But uh, hopefully maybe we covered a few or at least one that you really loved. If not, you know, send us your thoughts. Yeah. So uh, I, that's it for today's episode. You can find current and past episodes on speakinghuman.com and you can leave us feedback, you know, on brands you'd like to resurrect at feedback at speakinghuman.com. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Speaking Human. Catch you then, humans. Speaking Human. Speaking Human.